Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How good has this Spurs-Grizzlies series been? Will Steve Kerr be able to coach again this season? What has Russ been doing in the clutch? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. As always, we are joined today by Coach Dave. Dave Dufour on the road again, which is kind of getting <laughs> crazy, but um, I suppose it makes the home much fonder when you travel far away. What is it? Yeah, I haven't slept in my own bed in a month. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, you're doing the NBA thing. I guess you're trying to, you want, you're doing what it likes to, what it feels like to be an NBA player. That's right. I'm trying to get a taste of it before some team offers me a job. <laughs> ah, that's yeah. Right. You know what? You can put that in your resume. Like I have spent a lot of time on the road. <laughs> as, that's as, true. As, as Actually, you know, from everything I, from everything I hear that apparently is a skill. Uh, I guess so. Yeah. You could do like, do you roll your clothes when you pack them in the, with, with, and then I, put rubber bands on them? No, I don't put rubber bands, but I do roll them. Yeah. I think rolling actually, it works pretty well. And then the key is, you know, carry ons only. Oh yeah. You know, that's tough. I, I, I don't mind the carry on usually, but I also like having my hands free at the gate and just not have to drag anything around. So it's a, it's an interesting conundrum. Yeah. Always pack your socks inside your shoes that are in your bag. Oh, that's a good idea. The shoes are always yeah. a problem. You get all packed, whatever, and all of a sudden you realize you didn't put your shoes in there and there's no room and they take you up. Gotta put the space. shoes at the bottom. Put the shoes in the shoes go in first. Okay, I'm that's good at this. We'll do a whole podcast then on how to pack with Coach Dave. <laughs> there you um, go. Now, all right. Well that, well, you know, let's talk a little bit about the games because we're in the midst of the playoffs. First round, probably like we thought, maybe the best first round we've had like in 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 the years. It's been incredible. I mean, it really has just been, I mean, so entertaining, extremely quotable. You know, like the, the interviews have just been fantastic. I mean, uh, we had Russ tonight with, with his, um, you know, I, I'm not going to call it an outburst, but, you know, he was obviously a little bit perturbed and, and wanted to protect his teammates. Um, I don't know how quotable that is, but it's definitely memorable. Um, we had Fisdale with the, you're not gonna. They're not gonna rook us and take that for data. What was the What was the other thing? There was another one that was really great. Oh, from Fizdale? No, 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 no. Oh. Just from this playoffs. It's just been anyway. It's just been entertaining on and off the court. Uh, it has. It really has. And you know, we, like every time I think, oh my god, that's the best game of the playoffs. We have another one that's just even better or more epic. Um, and it's just you know more 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 great things we can do. And I can break down in video. I mean, I just did today. Uh, the Spurs Grizzlies fi- uh, finale, the last five minutes of regulation, and then the overtime, um, and it was some of the best, most compelling basketball I had seen in a long time. Now I think the, for the beginning of the game was a little bit rough and really like just they're, you know really tough to referee this kind of a game because it's so physical. But um, just the execution and the toughness they had to be able to knock down those shots was amazing. 
Yeah, the fourth quarter and overtime of that game is probably the most entertaining 17 minutes of basketball that I've watched in forever. I mean, it was so – it was just amazing. It was so much fun. It was stars showing up and, like, showing why they're stars. Specifically, I mean, Conley, Gasol, and Kawhi Leonard was just insane. I mean, it's it's crazy. We've gotten to the point now where if, if a guy loses, you can't give him credit or praise – um, but the Grizzlies are not a bad basketball team and, and the Spurs, you know, are basically Kawhi Leonard and, and some decent players, but nobody great. Kawhi was incredible in that game, not taking anything away from Conley and Gasol who were fantastic, including Gasol hitting that, that crazy game winner. Um, but good grief, man. It's, it's Kawhi's league now, right? After that game? You know, so I tweeted this out earlier where I said, you know, if you had any, like, like, I know that the voting is already over for the MVP, but we can still sort of argue until it comes out. And it's like, (laughs) this is what we're talking about. If you wanted to sort of say anything negative about Kawhi or whatever, I mean, we are now seeing Michael Jordan style stuff. I mean, 16 straight points to will his team back from an eight-point deficit in the fourth quarter uh, was Michael Jordan stuff. And as I showed, like, they literally just ISO'd him and let him just take over on top, which is unheard of for a pop team, right? Like, they don't know, they don't just yeah. clear out and let a guy attack on top. And, you know, we tied the game up. And by the way, really quickly about the Gasol, like, you know, he hit a buzzer beater at the end of the first half. And, you know, imagine if he doesn't make that one. And, like, they're not they're not there at the end. And, and you know, it, yeah. it's, it was just shot after shot. But, yeah, back to Kawhi. I mean, this guy is proving every time he goes out there right now why he he really should probably be, be the MVP. Yeah, I, well, and we're just talking about what he did offensively. And his defense was fantastic. Like, it, look, LeBron is the best player in the league. OK. Mm-hmm. And and Steph Curry is probably the most skilled player in the league. Um, and he he's just on that next level, just below LeBron. Like LeBron is by himself, as far as I'm concerned. Kawhi is in that conversation with the Curry, you know, and, and LeBron and KD. I think that like he's on that next year, just below LeBron. But I think he's like inching up. I think he's going to catch LeBron next season because his defense to me, to, to me, his defense makes up for any of the offensive advantage that LeBron has just because LeBron does not bring it on defense at all at this point. No, let me say this today. LeBron's great for a chase. Well, LeBron, LeBron finally today down, like in the last couple of possessions in the Ford, like finally picked up Paul George and shut him down. And that was what the Cavaliers fans have been talking about this whole time. And so, you know, we finally got to see it in practice where, you know, they they could throw it out there a little bit in the fourth game, the closeout game. They didn't really right. need to do it before. So I they're mean, saving. I guess I, I I mean, they're get saving. Yeah, yeah, so they're saving. Well, LeBron right. has a switch. Right. Like my my doubts about the Cavs defense had nothing to do with LeBron being able to flip a switch. Right. It was everyone else. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's great. I don't know yeah. if I was clear enough in my like even saying that's a great way to say it. And we saw it. Like, there's no question. He flipped the switch. He turned it on. He ripped Lance Stevenson. He, uh, you know, I don't think he blocked Paul George's shot, but they got a great contest and, like, you know, just really made some some really good defensive plays on the ball um, down the stretch. But you know, and, and by the way, that game was a was a shit show. Too. I mean, the only problem we're seeing is we're seeing some of these games that are really just um, crazy bad coach, bad coach, not you know, not together. Like the you know the Indiana Pacers. Um, I would be surprised if they end up having their coach next year. I, you, you saw Larry Bird in the stands, like rubbing his hands, in his head, his head in his hands. And you you got to imagine. But that's pretty typical. 
Yeah. Yeah. Larry, I feel like Larry Bird's never been happy with, with anything the Pacers yeah. have done. I mean, yeah, the only time I remember, remember seeing him do that reaction is when, like, they fired Vogel, you know, in the last whatever that was, and now that he's doing it again. Yeah. Um, but I can't imagine anyone Would looking there say, going, saying that they were prepared. Would you say any coach has been worse than the playoffs than Nate McMillan? I mean, I, obviously, they, they're the first team to get swept out of the playoffs. And so, I mean, that's bad. But, like, like result aside, uh, um, is there anybody that you think has been worse than him in the playoffs well, or close? No, but like, let's be honest. Let's be fair here. That was the closest sweep we've ever seen. Like, I think the, all the games decided by whatever, 10, 12 points for the four games or right. something like that. And, and you know, th- almost every just three, three of the games were down on the wire. They had it. And so you could argue the opposite. It was like, oh, my God, he coached him up and they really <laughs> competed and they were right there. But you can imagine that with, like, any kind of normal competency on some of these possessions that you see, which you cannot afford to have, you know, two, three, or four just, like, really dumb, boneheaded plays in a game like that. Um, you know, if a better coach had, had him well, more prepared better, then they win. They actually win those games. That's how vulnerable it appears the Cavaliers are. Um, so I, I can't think of anybody else, really. I mean, you know, I, I, I've seen some head-scratching stuff from the Clippers, um, we've seen it from OKC. Uh, OKC yeah, Don, was very Don strange today. Don, Donovan's been running some really weird uh, rotation. Like his rotations are really weird right now. I, I get that they grasp at straws when Russ is out of the game, but I, I don't know. Like at this point, I mean, how many minutes did Russ play today? I don't. I don't have the box score up, but. Oh. Well, I get it. But, you know, and, but by the way, the, the biggest problem he had as far as, you know, the Donovan thing was they went to Hacker um, Hacka Robertson and he went like two for eight from the free throw line uh, and they, they didn't take him out and they really needed to take him out. It was the one thing that, get, you know, kind of gave the Rockets some separation down the stretch. Well, that um, and Nene was just amazing. Yeah, he was great. But, but um, you know, for those two minutes until the two minute mark, you got to take you – know, it was only that. That's, and they didn't do it until about four minutes left. So they had this two minutes. All I do is take him out. Now, I get it. They don't want to put you – know, they want him on, on um, you know, to guard Harden. But, you know, you, you, I don't know. The trade-off seems, you know, a problem. Like maybe just say, hey, Russ, you know, pick up Harden. Do your, do, you know, do your thing. Everyone, you know, he, he does have some ability on that end. Uh, Harden wasn't playing very well anyway. That's the other thing. Now you can argue yeah. he wasn't playing well because of Robertson. But – you know, uh, it just seemed like a, a real problem. But that was part of the problematic stuff. So, yeah, there's some really interesting stuff going on there with OKC. And, um, you know, I don't know. Should we talk about Russ or do we want to finish our uh, seal in our no. practice with the Spurs and the Grizzlies? Let's finish uh, Spurs-Grizzlies, then we'll, we'll go to Russ. Um, but Spurs-Grizzlies was, I mean, it was fantastic. This series, you and I talked about this. It was either going to be a sweep, but, like, tightly contested sweep, and the Spurs were going to win, right. or... It was going to be a matchup nightmare for the Spurs. Like we were like, it's it's one way or the other, and yeah. it's been a matchup nightmare. I mean, like uh, Gasol and Con- Conley is the worst case scenario for a Spurs opponent. He's a, he's a big athletic guard who can shoot and finish inside, even with that terrible right-handed floater that you hate. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he was good with it. He was he's good with it the other night. I tell you that. Yeah, um, and, and so at the point of attack, you know, it's just tough. The, the Spurs are having a hard time getting any traction on, on defense against them. And, uh, you know, it, it, when Gasol's out there, they just throw him in a pick and roll. Pow, you know, throw him in a pick and roll. And, 
I mean, the Grizzlies are just good. Fizio is a really good coach, by the way. Like, this is a great showing for him. He's really putting these guys in a position to succeed. His rotations have been really nice. And Jamichael Green is probably going to get $50 million this offseason. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, he looks good. Ennis looks really good, too. Um, And and so he's got these guys playing. He's got Harrison making plays. Harrison makes... The blo- the game saving block in the mo- in a crazy sequence uh, uh, that went back and forth another another reason why it was the most epic game of the of all right now um, that that literally like here's a guy who's playing the D League and you know couldn't shoot couldn't handle the ball couldn't make it in the NBA he's he's playing like good solid minutes in crunch time for the Memphis Grizzlies and uh, and making plays it's 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 crazy. Yeah, and and for you guys that didn't see it, or even if you saw it, and you just want like a kind of a breakdown. Got to go to Coach's YouTube and watch the breakdown that he just put out. Yes. It, it, it just lays it out so well. You get to see some stuff that you probably didn't notice when you were watching. Fantastic stuff. And you don't have to go that far to find fantastic food delivered right to your door from Blue Apron. They're like the Boston Celtics of fresh ingredient and recipe delivery services. Number one. Just like a good NBA team, you need chemistry. And that's what cooking is, both with the preparation of their fresh, high-quality ingredients and by bringing your family together to cook. I just prepared Parmesan-crusted chicken, and it had me using oh-so-tasty fromage blanc. That's right, I'm speaking French. And these meals cost less than 10 bucks per person, delivered right to your door with the exact amount of food pre-measured for you, and you'll never see a repeat recipe for a whole year. Head over to blueapron.com slash coachnick and you'll get your first three meals absolutely free. Even the shipping is free. It's like Kyrie nailing a three to finish the comeback last year. Only you just need to type in blueapron.com slash coachnick instead. Much less pressure here, sports fans. So check out our friends over at Blue Apron today and begin a life of culinary fulfillment. Wait, did I leave the oven on? And by the way, we're going to start doing like multiple videos a day. Like I finally cleared my schedule out and we're going to be ready to do some stuff. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it'd be awesome if you want to come by and uh, visit us over on YouTube. Uh, and by the way, BeatballBreakdown.com, somebody we right. know just wrote an article up there that was really good. It was it was all right. It was it was fun. I, I enjoyed doing a game recap. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the Hawks come out <laughs> and handle business. So. Yeah, yeah. It didn't look so great when I said that the Hawks should just go ahead and blow it up before the season's over. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it, a very strange series going on there as well. But let's it really go, is. I, before I forget, I do want to talk about Pop because we're talking about coaching and maybe bad coaching or whatever, and like there's something going on with Popovich. We've always sort of talked about with his rotations, and um, even last night in the crunch time, he was playing Parker, uh, Tony Parker, David Lee, Kawhi Leonard, Lamarcus Aldridge, and Patty Mills. And my, my red light went off when I was watching it going, hmm, like, Patty Mills and Tony Parker together just seemed weird to me. And I went up to NBA Wowie and I checked, you know, how often that specific lineup played together. You want to guess how many minutes all season? Eight. Six. Good <laughs> grief, man. So the David Lee stuff, like, David Lee, he had a renaissance year. I mean, and I don't even know what you would call it because it's really the first time in his career that he's played any defense. So... Um, right. I, he, he actually had a, to me, a nice season and, and that's just, I don't know how the stats look, but I mean, watching the games, I mean, I, I watched, you know, out of 82 games, I think I probably watched like 65 Spurs games. Um, his defense was actually really solid. 
the most impressive part was how much he was captaining the defense. Like he was very vocal and active. So he was good. So I get like with Deadman out playing playing David Lee. Um, although I think I'd rather have Powell in there than David Lee just because of how much more Powell brings on the offensive end. And he's uh, at least a big body. Yeah, I, I guess. Um, but, I mean, to me, it's Powell's defense kills them. I mean, every time he's in there and you see him after they score, he gets all frustrated and he knows he knows it was him and he's, you know, he's, he's chagrin on his face. It's, it's really uh, – it's just, it's just not, you know. And he was, he used to be better. He was a really good defender back in the day. Um, he just doesn't have. I, I just don't think he has whatever it is physically to move and be able to defend yeah. like he needs Legs, to. He's knees, old. Whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever part of his body it takes to just move. Um, here's <laughs> right. what I want to know: What did Jonathan Simmons do to Greg Popovich that he cannot get in the games? Like, how come he can't be your crunch time? Like. Why isn't Danny Green out there? Like, like, I just cannot wrap my head around the idea that you've got two athletic, good defenders, and instead you're going to have David Lee and Tony Parker out on the court in crunch time. Like, I just don't get it. I don't. Well, I, you know, by, by the way, it's funny you say because, like, in the fourth quarter, it, what was weird was Bertans and Simmons got some run in the fourth quarter, having not really played at all before that, which is also weird. That's tough to do that. You it's know, Manu weird. hasn't scored, by the way, in this series, I don't think. Right, I know. I, I, like, people were, were complaining about Parker the other night, but really, Manu has been bad. Like, I, I'm pretty sure Manu's going to retire after the season, and, and, like, he just looks tired. Yeah. It, yeah. Which is 39 years old, right? Like, Manu's earned it, right? Like, he can be tired. And I, I, you know what? I'll take Manu playing 20 minutes a night and not scoring for the rest of the series because, I mean, that's a Hall of Fame player, and that's okay. I'll let him go out that way. I don't want him to, but, you know, you, you'll ride Manu. But, um, I just don't get like, you know, we talk a lot about Russ and, and kind of the disservice he does his teammates by not giving him the ball. You know, like you shoot 43 times and then out of nowhere, you you know, Russ makes a pass to a guy and he misses a shot Well, because he hasn't touched the ball for 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, Pop is kind of doing the same thing, not playing these guys and then throwing them out there in, in the fourth quarter. Like, I just it's weird, man. Like, right. it's really weird. It is. I mean, it, it, for some reason, it reminds me when I was a coaching and um you know, uh, let's just, let's regale people with our tales of coaching. But uh, it was weird because because yeah. they kind of refused what you said in some weird way or somehow. But uh, I, I one of my starters was uh, wasn't playing well and was on the road in the tough you know league game, and he gets a technical foul. And you know, my rule you know, I usually take a guy out when he gets a technical foul just because that's you know what you, what happens. So yeah. the team that's out there goes on a crazy run because we were down and whatever. They go on a it's an amazing run. Get come all the way back. And it's like we're down by three with, you know, five seconds to go. We're inbounding it like almost all the way down. And I put him in and I designed some crazy like Hail Mary play, whatever. And he banks the three-pointer into tie the game going overtime. And I remember the dad being so mad at me because I didn't put him in earlier and I set him up to fail even though he hit the shot. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I, I guess I'm feeling a little vulnerable right tonight after uh, some of these tweets. So I, I'm just laying it out there. But well, <laughs> all right. That, well, so that's a good segue. Uh, the tweets, right? Like, let's talk about Russ. Okay. Um, we touched briefly on on him kind of sticking up for his teammates. They're down three one now. I mean, you know, the, the series is basically over, and, over. And, and really, and they're overmatched. I mean, the Rockets are a good basketball team, and and OKC is average at best. Um. Russ has now had three really, really bad fourth quarters. Yeah. And this is 
you know, you and I talked briefly before we started recording. You know, he went on this run. Part of what clinched his MVP, which he he's won the MVP. Like, let's just go ahead and get that oh, out of the yeah. way. But part of what clinched that was this run of fourth quarters that he had for the last three months of the, of the season. I mean, and it was it was outstanding, right? I mean, part of it is opportunity. They got a lot of opportunities because they're not a very good team. But but Russ, to his credit, he won a lot of games in those fourth quarters. Well, and also, it's, but, and it's the structure of the way they they play. Like you know, how, for however much his usage rate is in, during the whole game normally, like it just gets amplified in that those crunch time minutes more. Uh, I actually it's has be anyone ninety like percent. Do we see what the yeah? Has anyone produced those numbers for what uses radars in the crunch time? No, but we should we should get those yeah exclusive to beatball breakdown because because you know what <laughs> I mean yeah, look at that because that I, yeah did you say ninety percent? It's got I mean come on man like end of end of game for sure I mean their play is Russ dribble the ball up and take a pull up jumper that's their you know yeah. And what does he shoot on pull up jumpers? That's probably the percentage that he hit. I think it was like seven of eighteen in crunch time on pull up jumpers. Right, which I don't even know ranks that high in the in the scheme of things. Yeah, I, I have no idea. But anyway, okay. so so he had this amazing run of fourth quarters, um, and and comebacks and all this stuff like very heroic or whatever. But now that he's playing a good basketball team, it's just not going well. I mean, you know, we've talked quite a bit already about the the performance the other night, the four of eighteen, and you know, taking forty three shots, and this is not tenable. Uh, Jerry West compared him to Michael Jordan, and you and I talked about this again before we started recording. Um, he his career right now, like this season, was very much like an early Jordan season. Mm-hmm. The difference is Jordan was hit, still hitting like fifty percent, and Jordan was playing all pro defense. Right, Russ just isn't that. Right, that is a huge, and it's a huge difference when you play that high usage and you're but you're efficient. I mean, yeah, 52% is what he shot for all those years. And only until he went to Washington did it go down to, like, 50 overall because he was older. But, um, yeah, like, that's a big, a big, big difference. Um, and, you know, but, but Michael had to learn the same thing that, that uh, Russ never really learned, it feels like, which was, he, you know, he needs his players. And that's why the triangle became such a big, important thing for him because he could finally leverage his gravity to help other players you know, succeed. Like, you know, every time they won a championship, it was, it was except for the last one, uh, it was somebody else hit the shot. Right, right. He was making the right basketball play, which LeBron has been killed for his entire career unfairly. Right. Making the right play. Like, uh, it's, a, it's a team sport. There are five guys. I mean, you're playing with four other guys. You, you really do take them out of the flow of the game when they don't touch the basketball. I mean, people, you don't, I mean, all five guys don't need to touch the ball every possession. But man, it'd be great. Like, look at how look at how successful the Spurs have been with what you could call average talent outside of Kawhi, because they move the ball. Guys move without the ball. Guys are more active. You know, people play harder on defense when they touch the ball on offense. You know? Yeah. This, this is like a thing that we know. I mean, you know, anyone that's played basketball, they know what it's like to play with a guy who dribbles fifteen times and then chucks the ball. You don't get back on defense, and that's you know. These guys are at the the top of the sport at their peak. You're telling me that they can't hit an open jump shot? I just I refuse to believe it. Also, Victor Oladipo shot 36% this year from three. Russ shot 34. Right. And, and, you know, and, and to his credit, it, it was it was lower than that. Like it only the last like month did he like yank it up higher to 34. It was more like 30. But um, 
Yeah, no, I mean, here's the other thing I want to say about that before I have, I have the usage rate for, uh, for the uh, clutch moment, so I'll give you that in a second. But Exclusive. Yes. The thing is, with, um, with Russ, is that you know, just because you have teammates that you don't think are good enough or whatever, it doesn't give you the excuse to make bad decisions. And it's like, that's why we're talking about LeBron. LeBron always made the right decision. And I know we got roasted for it by, oh, how dare you pass the ball, whatever. But it was always the right play. The guy was open. That's what you do. And um, I think that's the mindset. So, I, it, you know, I know that Russ doesn't trust his teammates, I feel like, um, because they haven't come through in the past. But that's not the point. The point is you're supposed to trust your teammates. And that trust will then build the, the, the confidence that they need. And eventually they will get better. These are pros. These are not high school players he's playing with. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm well, too kumbaya about it, but that just seems to be how well, it should you know, go. I think it makes Russ a better player if he does that. I think that part of, like, you know, he is blasted, and I, I blast him for this. He's an inefficient scorer. Part of that is because the defense can shade away from everyone else. You know, they know who's taking the majority of the shots. If you're taking half your team's shots, I don't. I only have to guard the other guys once the pass is made. Until yeah. then, I can load up on you. I can just, you know, and, and he's taking tough shot after tough shot. Like, I would love to see Russ get like get down to twenty to twenty-two shots a game, but I think he can still score thirty points a game at that if he's you know moving the ball a little bit more. Like I don't care about the ten assists because the team like he might have ten assists and the team has fifteen. Right. You know. Yeah. He had ten out of 30, 35. That's that's different. But he has the ball so much that there's just no assists to go to anyone but him. And you know you're going to have fifteen assists anyway. Yeah. For a team at least. Oh, yeah. So, you know, those assist numbers are skewed just because he touches the ball so much. All right. Well, I want to know, what's his usage rate in the in the crunch time? Okay, so we have all these different breakout metrics and they get more interesting. But in the last five minutes, if he's behind or tied, um, it looks like, uh, you know, less than or equal to five points. His usage rate is sixty six point two. Good grief. But in the last three minutes, when it's, you know, greater or within five points, uh, behind or tied, or, or behind by five points or less or tied, his usage rate is 78. <laughs> and then it goes over 100 uh, from there. Last 30 seconds, last 10 wait. seconds, it's over 100. <laughs> wait, how, I'm not sure how, you can do how that. is it over 100? <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> now, when he's ahead or behind in the last five minutes, they also break it out the same way. It's pretty kind of similar, but... The last five minutes, the usage rate is 62.2. The last three minutes is 69.5 uh, when either he's either ahead or behind. And then when he's ahead or behind by five points in the last minute, it's, it's 99.7. So it's like, you know, it's – I don't know. Maybe – hey, by the way, that could – I could – let me – I'll call up a couple other players to see if, uh, yeah, if that's comparable. But um, I'm curious. Yeah. yeah. That, that's um, – yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to pile on him. He had an amazing year. It was a historic year. He's going to win the yeah. MVP, and he deserves the MVP as much yep. as Harden or Kawhi did. Yep, um, and he's going to catch heat. He's going to catch heat for this post game interview tonight. But I want to take up for him. Like I honestly, I think that his intent was to protect his teammates. I think that that he felt like the reporter was kind of calling out his teammates, and you know, like Russ is the leader of that team, and he takes that responsibility. You know, seriously, and, and I can appreciate that, right? Um, I think he was standing up for his teammates. I don't, I don't mind what he said. I get that it may be taken because he was a little bit aggressive about it. Uh, in particular, you know, like the reporter is trying to do his job. Um, I, I understand that, but I think that you and I agree 
that the reporter probably should have just let it go after a while instead of trying to make himself the story. Well, let's cut right to that audio so everyone else can hear exactly what happened in that press conference. Why is Houston so successful, and, and do you sense that, that they sort of get an energy boost just from him going out of the game? Hold on, Steven. Uh, I don't want nobody to try to split us up. We all one team. Regardless, if I go to the bench, if Steven's on the floor, if I'm off the floor, we in this together. Don't split us up. Don't try to split us up. Don't try to make us go against each other. Try to make against Russell and the rest of the guys, Russell against Houston. I don't, I don't want to hear that. We in this together. We playing as a team, and that's all that matters. That's it. Yeah, Russell, I'm not trying to split you up, but twice in three games, you guys have not played well at all when you've gone to the bench. That's fine. We, and say, I'm just say, trying to figure out what's going say, on. Say, Russell, you ain't played well at all. Say, Russell and the team is, haven't played well. Don't say when Russell goes out, the team don't play well. It don't matter. We in this together. That may that may be, Russell, but I've asked Steven a question. Cool. And it's a legitimate question. Next question. It's a legitimate question. Next question. Next question. Well, Next question. Yeah, so you can hear. I mean, obviously, it's a rough time to be interviewing a guy who just lost a crucial game in a playoff series in a, in a pretty poor way. But uh, again, what we're talking about as far as this, you know, the usage rate and the, and the crunch time stuff is, you know, for whatever he might have done in the regular season against whichever teams he might have been playing, um, you know, it's, this is now the time where the, the good decisions need to be made, and, and, and they're not being made, and he's really played poorly and made bad decisions. It's not even like, oh, he missed some shots or whatever, and they, they couldn't, they just didn't, they didn't pull it out. It's like things that he can control that he's not doing right, like just flying in, like in game three, where they were up with uh, under a minute to go, and he just flies in. First of all, he misses the layup, and the next time down, they're still up, and he comes flying in there and throws a pass wild, and it's, it gets thrown away. I mean, the kind of stuff that when you watch, like, Chris Paul play, and in Chris Paul's Game 3, it was an interesting dichotomy where he controlled the game, took perfect shots, nailed them, won the game for the Clippers. Um, and meanwhile, you're watching Russ, like, just throwing the game away in, the, in that same time frame. Uh, it's, it's a real interesting dichotomy. Like, you know, how are we supposed to rate this guy? Yeah, it's, a, you know, that's, that's funny that you bring it up because Chris Paul is a point guard that really understands the pace and controlling the tempo of a game and using it to his advantage. So, you know, like um, uh, someone pointed out how Chris Paul normally is a little bit more plotting as a, as a point guard, but against the Jazz, he really pushes the pace because they're a slower team, right? I don't know that there's five other point guards in the league that know to make that decision on their own. Does that make, does that make sense? Chris Paul is just like he really like coach on the floor is such a cliche term. Chris Paul really is a, co- a coach on the floor. And and as much as I can hate the way like his body language towards his teammates <laughs> and the complaining at referees, I cannot fault the fact that that guy is. I mean, that's what that's a professional point guard. I mean, yeah. that is he and he could play in any era, and he's going to be a, a Hall of Famer in any era he plays in. Like he right. is just he knows how to control everything on the court. And Russ, it's almost like he only has one speed. Yeah, and, and again, and that that's enthralling, and it's it's incredible, and it's amazing. But you know, the, the crucible we've always been, I've always been judging him on is like this this championship thing. I you know, it's great that you can do it against Orlando and Phoenix, and all the players can do that. Um, but what's going to happen, and what are the evidence that we're seeing, the cracks in there that might lead us to believe, like what I've been saying, that this isn't going to do well in the playoffs? And that's what we're seeing. It's rearing its ugly head. And you know what? It happened last year too when they had KD. And, uh, oh, I know what I was going to say, by the way, about Russ is that, um, you know, this notion of him as his teammates being bad, they don't shoot, and so there's no spacing. 
I would really like to see the, the, the study of that and just how much extra spacing they would normally get with a shooter. You're probably talking about a step and a half. And I think it might be a little bit overblown, the notion of like how much space he would have to do his typical drives the way he plays anyway if he had better shooters. Well, he's still getting to the basket. He, he I mean, he finishes at like an average or below average rate at the, yeah. at the hoop. And so, you know, I mean, that's a concern. But for me, it's just I'd just love to see like what – and he's a spread pick and roll point guard. I'd love to see what would happen – if he actually trusted guys to shoot. I mean, and part of this is, you know, Robertson is such a terrible shooter. Like, I mean, he is, he's really bad, but like when McDermott's out there, Russ is still looking him off. Yeah. So what's, what's the excuse for that? Anyway, enough dumping on Russ. Um, we look, yeah, Russ let's had a talk, great year. <laughs> let's yeah, make sure we say he, that. he really did. And, and again, he is so much fun to watch and it's so entertaining. And which is why I think you and I talked a lot about this, not on the podcast, not in a video. We want Russ to be like I think Russ could be like one of the three best players in the league because of how athletic he is. And yeah. he's such a gifted athlete. And he's still a great basketball player, even with the flaws. I just wish that he would clean those up so that we could see Russ at his full potential. And that's right. it. And, like, and, that's, and just the last thing we can talk about, because I brought it up, like I have it on front of me, is do you want to compare usage rate in the clutch with like James Harden? Sure. Yeah. There's a guy. I mean, he he's obviously got a higher usage rate. So yeah. what, what does he got? So in the do clutch? you want to do ahead or behind, in, or tied? Do, do behind, just because right. that's when superstars typically okay, take behind, more shots. Okay. So behind or tied? Um, so we said that Russ, when it's behind or tied in the last five minutes, his usage rate is sixty six point two. And in the same frame, um, Harden, you want to guess? Forty seven. Forty two point four. Last three minutes, Russ goes to 78 usage rate, right? Well, right. Harden goes to 47. And then oh. he go, and then he goes from there. And I mean, Harden is like by order of magnitude, you know, a lot less, which is crazy because right. he dominates the ball and whatever. But I think that that's pretty interesting uh, at the very least and perhaps worthy of a video as well because um, <laughs> just an interesting comparison. Now, again, he's got more people to, to pass to whatever. Sure. It's a different scenario, but... Uh, it's just that's how staggering it is what Russ is doing and how he's dominating these these these, these possessions in the clutch and it's I don't know if, I don't I don't know if Michael could have handled that I, I wonder what his usage no, rate is I don't it's know if a, call it's, it up it's a huge load man it's it's probably too much for one guy I mean that's that's the reality like he does need more help but he also you know you have to let people help you yeah so okay so uh, Steve Kerr we got to talk about this okay. The health stuff. We got we to talk about it. I, I mean, it, it, do you think he's going to be done for the playoffs? I mean, the way the, the interview he gave today, he made it seem like it's up in the air. Like it, it's actually a possibility. And if he's out, does it make a difference? Can, this, can the Warriors just win, you know, institutionally, you know, institutional memory sort of thing? Can they just win without him? Well, it was funny because I was talking about this earlier today with somebody else. And the notion of them, like you said, the, the, the foundation is there. The offense is put in. The defense is put in. You know, whether you need a rah-rah guy or not on the bench is something different. Now, the only time I think it's going to be an issue is, first of all, the, Steve Kerr can say, okay, here's the substitution pattern I want you to use for tonight. And you know what's going to happen is that someone's going to get into foul trouble in the first minute and all of a sudden everything just goes out the window. And now he's got to fly by the seat of his pants. 
And then, then there might be a time where they have to drop a play in the, in the, in the huddle. And I know they're not going to probably have those set up ahead of time only because, you know, you never know, like, who's in, who's not, what, you know, what did, did Curry tweak his ankle or not, whatever. It's like you just need to be able to do it on the fly. And that's another reason where you got to be maybe maybe cause for concern because I don't, I don't know. I don't know that Mike Brown is that guy who, like, well, draws Well, Mike Brown like did a great job. Mike Brown did a great job in game three. He really did. His substitutions were fantastic. I thought – bringing Steph back earlier in the fourth quarter to really close out that game. I, I thought the, that was really smart. Leaving Draymond out on the court uh, a little bit longer than usual. I, I think I think he made some really nice moves last night. I, I actually am – apparently I'm in the minority here, but I think Mike Brown is a, is a good coach. And, and, you know, there's a reason this guy keeps getting hired, right? Like it's hard to be bad and and respected. And he's respected. The players like him. Front offices like him. I mean, Steve Kerr, you know, like could have probably hired any free agent coach to come work on his bench. I mean, it's almost a guaranteed ring, as close to a guaranteed ring as you're ever going to get. And he chose Mike Brown. I mean, I think that that speaks volumes. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I uh, we'll have to see. I, I don't want. I don't. It, you know, it, it's it's up in the air. I think at best, it's you know, it shouldn't be a problem. It should be full steam ahead. Um, you know, but there and and at worst, the worst case scenario still doesn't seem to be that bad right right you know and, and, we, yeah. and yeah we saw luke walden did it. he stepped in and he, and he was able to do it now um so yeah so there, it shouldn't be that different and the players probably shouldn't feel it that differently either in theory uh i right. just wonder like what's going to happen in that pressure situation where you got to make the right substitution or you got to make the right uh play call you know out of a timeout or um the right uh you know design off of, off a timeout you know for the last end yeah. game scenario um we'll find out we'll find out pretty yeah. quick uh if you know it happens <laughs> But, he, but the real question is, yeah, is does that mean that Steve Kerr is out for the playoffs? Um, we know that he's out for um, the rest of this series, which is probably maybe like one more game or two more One games. more game. What's that? You think it's yeah. one more? It's one more game. Yeah. I mean, th- look, man, th- we saw this when KD was out. The The Warriors are like 17 and four without him this year, including the, the two play- or 18 and four now because he's missed the last two playoff games. Um, they, I mean, the Warriors are a freaking buzzsaw. Without KD, yeah. um, you and I have talked. We've we've toyed around with the idea that they is there a chance they're better without KD, which is kind of ridiculous because no, probably not. But they they really do kind of like those guys really lock in when KD's not out there. I feel like they're a lot more focused because they're you know rightfully so their margin for error is less. You know you don't have a guy a seven footer that you know seven foot guard that you can just hand the ball to and say hey we really need a bucket right now. Um, I, I would imagine KD is also out for the rest of the series. Uh, you know, up 3-0 and, you know, <laughs> winning the way that they are, I just don't know if it's worth it to play them. Um, are, are, how much, like, do you think do you think that's the right call or do you feel like they need to get them back for rhythm? Oh, you know, that's a good question. I, I think it's, a, it, to me, it's a no-brainer. You shouldn't play at all, especially the calf like that. Like, you, just, you, want, you need to get that rested and, and, and healed. So he shouldn't play. Um, but you're right. You risk a game or two of rustiness coming back and maybe not being in good enough shape. Um, and that isn't that is an issue that they could get stung, you know, and get a game stolen from them uh, that way. But I, I have to say that as of now, yeah, it's a no brainer. Let him rest and then just rely on the fact that he'll, you know, he, he's an athlete, he's a superior athlete and a professional right. and all that stuff and would be awesome coming back. So, you know, and then well, and then the the other thing with the Warriors that you and I, I think, both agree with overwhelmingly resoundingly agree is that 
they got to find a way to get more minutes for JaVale McGee. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it's more minutes for JaVale, less minutes for Zaza. Uh, but, you know, what you know what it is with JaVale? It's like, you know, he probably has some sort of focus issues, right? We just, you know, you can see it right when he checks in sometimes where he's just scattered and all over the place and everything like deer in the headlights. He just can't process everything. And it might be something, who knows what, but you can see in his eyes now, right, that yeah. he is, he's, he's got locked, a look yeah. on his face. You know, I, I think that one of the smartest things that Kerr started doing down the stretch this season was when they checked JaVale in, the first thing they did was run a lob play for him. Yeah, They've got like six or seven lob plays for him, and they make sure they get him involved on the offensive end immediately. But he's been so locked in defensively, active. I mean, he's tipping out balls on, on the offensive glass. He really – like that's a guy that I think could win them a finals game. Like just he's so athletic. And it's it's a matchup nightmare when he's doing what he's been doing the last couple of games. Like he's just really really good. It's it's a lot of fun to watch too because I mean, I'm a Javale guy. I, I like Javale. He's a nice dude. I love that he carries a jug of water around still. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean you know you watch him at the Drew League sitting on the bench. He's he's just having fun. Like the guy is he's just a nice dude. I love to watch him playing like this. It's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, no question. And you know it's funny. You know really quickly I called up. I'm just curious because. I kind of feel like the guy that benefits the most when KD goes to the bench or is not playing is Klay Thompson. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of looking at the numbers in NBA Wowie when he's with Kevin Durant on the court and then without him, and um, they look kind of similar, believe it or not. Um, oh yeah, that's just Klay Thompson, as he said coming into the season. Klay Thompson wasn't sacrificing anything. Yeah, right. And so he took more shots, I think. <laughs> yeah, you know. But, um, you know, and so that's, you know, it's so getting back to even that question of like, what are they better or not with without? I mean, obviously, when uh, when KD is in there and they had that death lineup and they're playing defense, you know, that that's they're going to win the, the title. I mean, that, there's no question about it. And if, if they don't, it's going to be a real just a shock. And you know what? We'll all be surprised. It's like, you know, but, but you, no one would be crazy to predict that they were going to lose when you see them play that way. Right. Yes. So. Anything else we want to touch upon? Uh, any other, any other, no, these other games? No, just again reiterate that this this playoff so far has just been fantastic. It's it's so much fun. Just as a, a fan of the sport, like it has just been so much fun to watch. These matchups have been incredible. We didn't even talk about the Bucks and the Raptors, and you know uh, they they've been a little up and down. I mean, the Bucks are a young team, so of course they're gonna be up and down. Um, that game now tied two two, or that, that series now tied two two. So Bucks won't win in five, like I said the other day. Uh, <laughs> might have been a little bit of a reach, but um, God, I mean, th- this is this playoffs. I can't remember a playoffs this good. Maybe oh eight. Uh, you know what? I don't even know. We have to go back and look. But I think there was one maybe yeah. before that, or no, more recently that we're, we're kind of saying the same thing. I have to look back and figure out what it is. But it's not. It's usually it's definitely few and far between, and. Uh, I can't think of, I, I can't imagine anyone being better than this. So that's the other thing. I mean, there's, there's really a lot of interesting storylines and, um, you know, we'll, we'll have to see it. It's too bad. I mean, you know, the, the Pacers, I think we deserved another game at least from the Pacers Cavs. It, it, it was that good of a series and if they could have just, you know, kept it together on a couple more possessions. They would have pulled out, you know, by the way, at least one of those games, they might've been able to pull out two of them. And then we'd be talking a whole different story, but you know what? It is that's probably the part of the aura of being the Cavaliers. Yeah, that's that's a LeBron. I mean, LeBron is just—he's a monster, man. Like, I mean, he's just so good. And like I said, like I said the other day on the last pod, um, 
yeah, I mean, we we should appreciate this guy playing at this level as long as we can. Like, we really should take not take it for granted because, I mean, we're watching, but you know, arguably the best player of all time, still in his prime, doing this sort of thing, and, and it's it's incredible to watch. Absolutely. Well, uh, great show tonight. Uh, really good stuff. We have a lot of things coming up, so you got to make sure to check over our YouTube channel. We have a, we'll have a lot of videos there. We'll have some more live shows or in and around the games this week. So uh, keep your ears. Um, open on Twitter and anywhere else that you can get the news and we'll make sure we try and get that information out as easy as possible. Uh, Periscope, Facebook, YouTube, all those places. Um, .com uh, podcast, we're doing three a week, so stay tuned. I, I have a, actually, by the way, we might do one on Wednesday because I think I have uh, somebody lined up for Friday. Um, wow, I, I might all right. Have, I think, looks like I might have Nick Wright of uh, Fox Sports uh, coming on. So uh, I, I uh, need to do it to you. Oh, my God. But um, did you see what he said the other day about um, about about Kawhi? Uh, <laughs> he was talking uh, yeah. with Colin Cowherd, and I was like, you know what? Let's get him on the show. Let's talk more about that because that sounds interesting. Uh, so, can can we do that as a three man pod? You want to? Well, I might want to get in on. You want to get on that? All right, we can I'm, figure that out. I may need to get on on that. I mean, look, now that Kawhi's just scored over forty points in a playoff game, can he be a great player? That I want that to be one of your questions. Book that. Yeah, right. All right, because I remember that was pretty arbitrary. He's never had more than six assists in a game or something. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Anyway, we will see. I, listen, I, I, Nick's a great guy. He's very nice. He's going to come on the show. We're going to treat him well. But uh, certainly, we should have an interesting debate. So uh, we'll see. I, if I can throw you in there, we can figure out a three man pod. That might work. That's. Yeah, that's a mu- that's must listen right there. All right, so that that should be Friday. So stay tuned for that, and then we'll do we'll do one another one on Wednesday. I think uh, with you and me, if we can get your road schedule in order, so we'll be Perfect. all set. All right, sounds great. All right, well, don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown. We're not a channel; we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave? Every every week. <laughs>